Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, a podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad. I have back with me the founder of Catholic Bites, uh, Father George Elliott. Father George, welcome back to your podcast. You know, <laughs> hey man, it, this is this is your podcast. You were far better at it than than I ever was. So I don't know if that's me. true, but. Uh, <laughs> You had the vision. Anyway, before we shower more compliments on you, um, uh, we are going to talk today about the connection between the Eucharist and the Jewish Passover uh, celebration. And I think most Catholics understand that there's a connection. They know that like the Last Supper was during the time of Passover, but maybe they don't understand how like how rich that connection is. So like, how can you how can you show, share share with us you know the, the the details that kind of bring out that connection? Yeah, I think the the first thing to to point out that r- really I wasn't totally aware of um, in regard to the Passover is that really over time the celebration of the Passover developed a lot for the Jews. I mean, I think a lot of us know the the early Passover story. You know, when it's actually you know you got the the plagues and then the Passover mm-hmm. and um, you know the, the Exodus, the, the leaving uh, Egypt. Yeah, we've all, we've all seen the Rugrats Passover special. So exactly, yeah. yes, <laughs> we've got a deep theological understanding there, <laughs> um, uh, right? And so I'm going to read just that passage to to kind of help us um, just refresh our, our memory a little bit. So it says, um, "The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old." You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs in the evening. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat them. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as an ordinance forever. And so that's from Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 14. And so, you know, we have the, the really basic elements of the Passover in there. First off, that the lamb was to be unblemished, that the lamb was to be killed and eaten on the same day, and that the Passover was to be a memorial day every year, and it was to be a sacrifice offered forever. Uh, so, you know, I think those are the things that we normally think of when we think of, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, the Passover lamb. Jesus Christ, John the Baptist said, behold, the Mm -hmm. Lamb of God, we got it. But one of the neat things is that this basically kept becoming more and more detailed. And and some of the details even shifted a little bit. The first one we can see in, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, it says, you may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns, which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place which the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it. There you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at the going down of the sun at the time you came out of Egypt. So uh, it's interesting. It says not in your towns, which would mean not in your houses, but that's Mm -hmm. actually exactly what they were supposed to do uh, at the beginning, that the Passover was to be uh, sacrificed and immolated in the houses that they actually live on. And that's why they're putting the blood on the doorposts and all that. Um, But there's this shift that really once they get to the promised land, nope, not in the houses anymore. Now it's to be in the place your God um, has given you to, to, in which his, he makes his dwelling, which of course was the tent of meeting. And then eventually 
the Jerusalem temple that replaced the tent of meeting. And so all of a sudden now, well, the lamb had to be sacrificed in Jerusalem, not in the houses. And then the second I found really fascinating, actually was, I first encountered it in Justin Martyr's dialogue with Trypho the Jew, right? Mm -hmm. So Justin Martyr was an early church father uh, who has some really fascinating works. Um, But in this, in this work with the dialogue um, with Trypho, he says, for the lamb, which is roasted, is roasted and dressed up in the form of a cross. And I thought, to myself, like, that's, that's not how it was done. Like, Justin, you're just kind of making this up a little bit, but it turns out that um, if you do more research in the, in the Pesachim, which is kind of one of the books that the Jews use to um, describe the rites in more detail, specifically in regard to the Passover, it actually says exactly that it's in two different places. And so it's hard for us to find it. But, uh, you know, if you just lived in Jerusalem, you knew that the Romans, that, that, that the lambs had this cross that they were roasted on. And so it says that there's a skewer run uh, from shoulder to shoulder, and then also another skewer that's run essentially along the spine of the lamb um, so that the lamb was actually immolated on a wooden cross. When I found that out, that just blew my mind that the the richness of the symbolism of Christ as the the lamb of God, the new Passover must've been so rich for the people who lived uh, in Jerusalem for the Jews at the time. Right. So now we've got. And it's, it's interesting. Like so much when you know what happened in like the temple liturgy in Jerusalem, and then you see what Jesus says or, or preaches about, like you can see he's drawing from the wealth of this imagery and that, because we're so far removed from it, we don't see it. But when you see, like when they saw him crucified and he said, they, they knew he was the lamb of God, that this imagery would, would come rushing back. You know, that's, that's incredible. And it's so beautiful. I had no idea. Yeah. And so you can see the, the pretty clear parallels um, that happened there. Right. So the, the Passover lamb um, is to be an unblemished lamb. And then, you know, Jesus had no sin and he had no broken bones, um, you know, his, his bones, bones were not broken on the cross, but rather his, his side was opened with a lance. Uh, the Passover lamb was killed and eaten on the same day. And a, an interesting thing, uh, when you understand the Jewish calendar, um, Jesus' last supper and the crucifixion were actually on the same day as well. Um, the, the Jewish calendar didn't start with um, morning and then go into the evening. It didn't start at midnight. It actually started with sundown. And then it, it, it ended with the, the following sundown. And so the Last Supper, which would have been on our Thursday night, uh, was actually on Friday in the Jewish calendar. And then, you know, the crucifixion, which was on Friday afternoon in our calendar, would have been on that same day. Um, and so we've got, once again, the Last Supper and the crucifixion in the Jewish mind on the same day. The third uh, point, the, that the Passover lamb was commanded to be a memorial. Also, Jesus commanded uh, his disciples to do this in memory of me. Then obviously the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Jesus was uh, crucified right outside of the walls of Jerusalem because crucifixions were illegal inside the city limits. Um, And then the Passover lamb was immolated on a wooden cross and Jesus was killed on a wooden cross. So you can see this huge parallel between the two of them. But what I really think is important 
uh, at this point when we're talking about the Eucharist is to highlight how big of a deal eating the Passover lamb was. If you look at um, if you look at the the passages in the Old Testament that say, "Hey, you need to um, you know this this is how you do the the Passover. This is how you you make this happen." It talks about slaughtering the lamb like once, twice, manages it twice. But when it talks about eating the lamb, it says it seven times that mm. you must eat the lamb, eat the lamb, eat the lamb, eat the lamb. And even um, you can see it still present in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians, uh, it says, consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices partners in the altar. And so you can still see there that, look, the sacrifice, we don't partake of the sacrifice. We don't, we don't enjoy the fruits of a sacrifice unless we eat the fruits of the sacrifice. And so if we really understand this deep part of, of the Passover that we have to eat the lamb, then we can look at the Passover and we can look at the crucifixion. We can say, wow, Jesus is the Passover lamb. In order to enjoy the fruits of the Passover, we had to eat of the fruits of the sacrifice. And so also in order to enjoy the fruits of the crucifixion, we have to eat the fruits of the crucifixion, namely the Eucharist. And then at that point, when you kind of sit back and think about that, you think, wow, now it really makes sense why this is such a big deal, why the Catholic Church encourages us to eat of the Eucharist as, as often as we can, as long as we're well prepared, um, and to and, and really lives a life that's completely centered on this, because this has been prepared for, for millennia. Yeah, and I, I think in particular that that connection between eating and the sacrifice, like that participation in the sacrifice, you know, that that this is what enabled the Jewish people to like participate in God's own redeeming act, eating the Passover lamb, and that it's the same for us. That it's not just we're eating because this is given to us, but we are eating in order to enter into uh, the act that that brought about to bring that about for our hearts again, and and to lead us more deeply into it. Like that connection is so important, and if we don't understand the, the what like that Jewish understanding of sacrifice, we'll never understand, you know, what we are actually doing when we go to mass. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I didn't realize it until I started studying Greek. But this idea that you only enjoy the fruits of the sacrifice if you eat of the the sacrifice that wasn't even strictly a Jewish thing. That was mm. across the entire ancient world. They had this idea that. You participate in the effects of the sacrifice by eating of the sacrifice. Um, and while I'm very happy that we as priests don't do animal sacrifice anymore, <laughs> not sure I enjoy that. Um, it is kind of a travesty that that we don't see that anywhere in our culture, you know, in, in any of the kind of modern cultures. Um, it's it's something that's really been lost, and we just have to kind of keep recalling. Um, what that really meant. Um, yeah. And being able to bring that with us when we, when we go to mass, that, that deeper, richer understanding of what we're actually doing and, and just bringing that, calling that to mind. Well, uh, Father George, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. And uh, your book again is, um, oh shoot, I forgot it again. <laughs> <laughs> Behold it as I. Behold it as I. I had it like pulled up on my phone just to remember. <laughs> Behold it as I. 
by Father George Elliott. Go check it out. It's a great book. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to listen to other great Catholic speakers, um, you can find us at catholicbytespodcast.com or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Catholic Bites is also part of a bigger family, so you can check out catholiclink.org or the Catholic Link YouTube or all sorts of other different things that are all fun, fall under Father George's umbrella. Um, so uh, please uh, check us out if you want more things to equip you for the new evangelization. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening and God bless you.